Welcome back, and thanks so much for listening to today's episode on whether contraception is a faithful choice for Christian couples, which is actually a topic that was requested by our Instagram followers over at Woven Fertility. So if you're interested in having a say or a vote in future episodes, then definitely connect with us there. But I absolutely love that you all wanted to talk about this topic. Thinking theologically about our bodies doesn't always come naturally to us. It's not even necessarily modeled for us very well at home or at church, but it's important to think theologically about our bodies and decisions made about our bodies. So if you haven't had a chance to yet, go listen to episode 29 with Dr. Cameron Jorgensen, where he talks us through why this is important and what we can start learning about God and ourselves through that process. I think it'd be helpful if you've heard that first, because we are going to dive straight into the specifics of our question. But first, why are we asking this question today? Obviously, it was requested by our followers, but why are they asking the question themselves? What inspired them? Even if you're brand new to intentionally thinking theologically about your body, doesn't mean you haven't had theological thoughts or questions before now. I have clients all the time who begin learning the Creighton Method with me after suddenly feeling uncertain about whether or not they feel comfortable using contraception in their marriage any longer. I think it's these hesitations or questions that lots of us feel that led many of our listeners to ask, Is contraception a faithful choice for Christians? Unfortunately, we can't necessarily readily get these answers from all of our favorite Christian leaders. Not all pastors or leaders think or talk about the body and fertility theologically. It's out there. It's just not abundant, except for maybe the Catholic Church. Some of our listeners are Catholic, but many are Christians who are not. So I'll share that the Catholic Church has provided some deeply thought out theological approaches to everything we're going to talk about today. And I'll also go ahead and reveal that they're the only major branch of Christianity that feels the answer to our question, is contraception a faithful choice for Christians, is an unequivocal no. But it's not always been like that. And who knows, it may not always stay that way. Back in 1929, all Christians across the world, and for the 1,500 or so years prior to that, would have been adamantly against any form of contraception. Yes, there were forms of contraception before the birth control pill. There's even a biblical example with Onan in the Old Testament. Catholic Christians, Protestant Christians, Orthodox Christians, they all agreed that contraception took something important, theologically important away from marital intercourse. In 1930, the Anglican Church broke away from this unified belief, and within 30 years, all but the Catholic Church followed suit. So although it feels like a long-standing belief to many of us now, since only our grand or great-grandparents were alive when that split occurred in the 1930s, it's a relatively new stance, less than 100 years old within the church. In that time, the quote-unquote approved methods of contraception have included barrier methods, hormonal contraception, spermicide, the morning-after pill, and more. But just because they've been widely accepted culturally and even within our churches doesn't mean they've left Christians without questions or hesitations. And I know this firsthand from so many conversations that I've had with clients over the years where they've asked questions like, Does using contraception somehow exclude God from our marriage or our intimacy? 
can a pro-life couple use hormonal contraception without any concerns? Do condoms pose the same theological questions as hormonal contraception? Does contraception somehow cheapen the meaning of marital intercourse? Is our marriage affected in a positive or a negative way when using contraception? So our episodes are short, and a podcast may not even be the ideal format in which to talk about these topics. So we're not going to get to the bottom of all these questions today, but we're going to do something really important. We're going to start the conversation. And so I want to start it by affirming your desire to ask these questions. I want to affirm you for asking it now, for asking it in a Christian community, for seeking guidance from scripture and leadership and tradition and above all the Holy Spirit. As believers, all that we do should be to glorify God. And that means asking intentional questions about all that we do. And maybe asking these questions feels scary to you. I get that. I respect it. You may be thinking, um, I did not actually vote for this question and I've never even thought about this before. And that's okay too. Even when the questions we ask God feel scary, the answers, whatever they may be, will be spiritually fruitful. So is contraception a faithful choice for Christians? No doubt in my mind, the first step is to submit the question to God. I think we have to be really intentional about this. We need to begin by praying about this question with an open heart as to where the Lord may lead. So you as a couple can begin praying together for God's leadership with an open heart. With this openness, we can then go to scripture and see what the Bible has to say about contraception. I'll go ahead and tell you, it's not a whole lot. Genesis includes the story of Onan that I mentioned earlier, who agreed to marry and enjoy intimacy with his deceased brother's wife. This was traditional at the time, but he refused to allow his seed to impregnate her. Early forms of contraception. Other than that, there's not a whole lot. What there is a lot of talk about is sexual intimacy and bearing children. And that sounds about right for the start of this conversation. You know, before we decide if we should alter sexual intimacy, maybe we ought to first try to understand what it means and how significant it is as it is. So from the genesis of creation, male and female were told to come together to be fruitful and multiply. It's hard to get around that one. Adam and Eve were told that as a part of this union, they were called to bear children, and it was a good thing. Then throughout scripture, children are a celebrated result of marital intimacy. The Psalms include repeated references to children as blessings, rewards, heritage. The Old Testament tells of barren women praying for children and men celebrating their large families. There are stories like Onan's, but with alternate endings, where brothers produce offspring for their deceased brothers because a child is a gift and an heir and a heritage. Even Jesus refers to children as nothing but gifts. Marital intimacy is procreative. But the Bible gives us more than children as a part of the gift of marital intimacy. When a married couple comes together in this way, they experience a bonding that is uniquely intended for them. 
It represents a commitment for life, for good or bad, in sickness and health that really can't be expressed in any other equivalent sort of way. And this physical bond includes physical pleasure and delight, as so very directly laid out for us in Song of Solomon. God designed parts of male and female anatomy for this sole purpose. This is not a shameful part of intimacy, but one that is boldly celebrated biblically. Marital intimacy points us to the closeness and bond even that the Trinity shares together, not in its sexual nature, but in its intimate understanding and joy and devotion. So each time a couple celebrates marital intimacy, it's an opportunity to renew those marriage vows with the language of the body. And it also points to something so much greater than themselves. So unlike society's opinion that sex is self-expression, Christians understand that sex is self-giving and covenantal. Marital intimacy is unitive. It's also mysterious. Ephesians 5, ah, it is so well-known, well-loved, and very (laughs) well-hated. But the part that gets so often overlooked is verses 31 and 32. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ in the church. Marital intimacy tells a story in a way nothing else can about the love and committedness and beauty and sacrifice of Christ for his bride, the church. There is so much depth and richness that we could get into here if we had the time. But this mystery makes sex sacred and holy. A far cry from how it's portrayed, right? But how it's portrayed in movies and TV shows and songs, it doesn't change its meaning. Nothing can change its meaning. And so every time a couple engages in marital intimacy, they have the opportunity to celebrate these gifts of God. Bonding, procreation, delight, renewal, and a story of Christ's ultimate sacrifice and eternal commitment to his bride, the church. Mm. This is really something, right? There is so much here, so much more than I feel like we learn just through walking through life. God intends so much goodness for us through this aspect of marriage. So with all this in mind, how does contraception affect these aspects of intimacy? Does changing one aspect reduce the meaning? Does discarding one part of the gift affect our ability to embrace the whole? I think it's important. We think a lot about how contraception affects our ability to conceive babies, But the conception of babies is only one part of a greater picture and one that can't be separated out. Now, I know there are some of you listening thinking, are you kidding? Are we really talking about whether or not contraception is wrong? (laughs) There's nothing wrong with prayerfully discerning your family size and influencing the number of children that you have. But those who challenge contraception would say that God has given us a way to do that that offers us the best God has to offer for us. And contraception may not be that way. 
maybe you could compare it to, you know, if you want to offer your tithe, but you save it up all month to make sure you have enough money for your needs before you give that tithe to God. You're still giving back to God and that's good, but you've missed part of the gift in the process. The trust, the submission, the vulnerability, those are intentional. And God uses those things for our good and for God's glory. So missing out on those aspects is missing out on something truly sacred. So we could totally end this episode right here. This is a great place to pause and ponder prayerfully, but I know that many of you will want to move on to the next natural question. What do we do now? (laughs) First of all, I want to mention, as you discern God's leadership in this area of your marriage, that no major branch of Christianity believes that because of the importance of procreation, all childbearing must be left up to chance, okay? That's called providentialism, and no major Christian, Orthodox, Catholic, Protestant churches teach this. So after you pause and pray and ponder, you're left with two main Christian communities. Those who believe that something theologically vital is lost when procreation is taken out of marital intimacy, and those who feel that contraception is permissible when carefully discerned. John Piper, Diedrich Bonhoeffer, many Christian leaders have made allowance for contraception, but with great intentional discernment. What does that careful discernment look like? Maybe it's asking yourself some questions. What's the reason behind not wanting to conceive children this month? And maybe it's asking that every month. Maybe it's asking questions like, are you prayerfully submitting your family makeup to God? Are you openly discussing fertility topics together as a couple? Are you considering whether it's beneficial or harmful to your marriage to have sex for unity and pleasure alone? What good could God intend for making sex a distinctly procreative act? And is that good, meant for us, lost when we disregard it? Basically, contraception is not a choice that should be made flippantly. It may be permissible, but is it or is it not beneficial? That's something for you to prayerfully discern together. One thing we know is this. We cannot separate sex from babies. It cannot be done. Praise God, it cannot be done because it's not meant to be done. It may not happen. A couple may not naturally conceive or carry children, or they may be beyond childbearing years, but the sexual act is by default a biologically procreative one. So what are our options for family planning with that in mind? If you're a Christian who, after submitting to prayer and discerning God's leadership, believes that contraception is acceptable within your marriage, then your main options are sterilization, which is meant as more of a permanent contraception, barrier methods like condoms or diaphragms, or hormonal contraception like the birth control pill, an IUD, or morning after pill. I wish I could say that your theological discernment was over, but... Each of these are going to come with a separate set of theological questions, like is permanent sterilization as acceptable as temporary contraception? And a very critical question to answer first, when does life begin? That may influence your choice because many forms of hormonal contraception do not prevent fertilization of an egg or creation of an embryo as much as it prevents its implantation into the uterus. So, oh, I didn't say this episode would be easy. I said it would be fruitful, and I truly believe that it will. God will be faithful to guide you as you seek guidance. 
you're not going to be left stranded. God has made a way and will provide even with your unique family and fears and questions. God knows you intimately. God knows your marriage, your concerns, your history. God loves you and your spouse. God loves your children living here or in heaven, born or yet to come. You can trust God with this tender area of your marriage. Now, I have the unique experience of working with clients who fall into both of these categories, those who believe contraception is not a faithful choice and those who believe that it can be. Because what we teach at Woven Natural Fertility Care is a method of family planning that allows for the avoiding of pregnancy while still maintaining the full fertility of the couple. So... I believe that this approach embraces both the unitive and procreative sides of marriage. It honors the marital intimacy as a symbol for Christ and his church. And I think it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right for everyone. But if you're interested in learning about whether it may be right for you and your spouse, I invite you to email me or go ahead and join us next month for our online introductory session where we learn all about the Creighton Method and how you can use it to achieve or avoid pregnancy. You do have options. No matter which side you land on when prayerfully discerning this, there are options for planning your family. And I know there are so many questions still to be answered and so many aspects of this topic to still be explored. I've already begun putting together lots of information and resources to hopefully continue this conversation, but I would love to hear from you about what you feel would be most helpful. And so I welcome you to send that to me either on Instagram at Woven Fertility or personally through my email at Caitlin at WovenFertility.com. I hope today has been a helpful starting place for any Christian who happens to listen. Thank you for trusting me with your time and in answering this question. I truly believe that these questions that we're asking are meaningful and that God's answers will be fruitful in your life, whatever they may be. As always, thanks for listening as we continue to explore together what it means to be woven well. 